WWDB, Philadelphia, the talk station. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. She's Stacey Mitchell. We have Nick Wolf behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live every week, <clears throat> excuse me, specifically on YouTube. And if you get some value out of this show, you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to the channel, hit the bell for notifications. And if you want to schedule a call with our amazing team about your real estate needs, specifically these two ladies, Make sure to click on the link in the comments. So we got a lot to cover today. We're going to be talking about the myth of the silver tsunami. I think this is something that if agents are talking about this, they're doing their clients a disservice based on the data that's out there. Zillow and Fannie Mae have revised their home price forecasts again, and we've got some appeals and some movement happening in the commission lawsuit. So let's let's start with this silver tsunami because I, I, I see... Agents posting about that. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Like agents are posting like, hey, the silver tsunami is coming. The boomers are going to. I've seen these graphics on social and those people don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to be really clear about that. So there was a great article on Inman. Let me explain it to you ladies here. So um, the silver tsunami, if you don't know what it is, it's a massive influx of homes poised to hit the housing market as baby boomers downsize over the next several years. And In 2020, the U.S. Census reported that one in six people in the U.S. were 65 and over. Um, And so obviously that's that's a large portion of the population. And because of this, there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, you're going to see these homes hit the market. It's going to happen. And they cited um, Yahoo Finance uh, uh, and and founder. uh, It was on Yahoo Finance website. The founder and CEO of Whitney Advisory Group, um, his name is, uh, well, his name's Whitney, surprise, surprise. Um, they cited data from the AARP stating that 51% of people over 50, um, a group that owns more than 70% of U.S. homes, by the way, are going to downsize, and that could bring 30 million housing units to the market. I, I, I mean, do you think that's even close to being accurate? What's your take on this? I mean, think about these numbers that they're talking about here. I I kind of have a hard time. Like they think just like for once you get over sixty five, that then like a large like of those, a large portion are going to be yeah. Selling. That's exactly I, what they're saying. I seem to find run into more and more clients that are of that age that um, either you know still have some kids that are like maybe like moved back or like hanging around or that they still want the big house so that the family for holidays like comes back to their place. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen much of that, but. Yeah, I I agree. Not, you know, I I think that they're staying in their houses longer because of to relocate. It is a little more challenging with the pricing. Um, And also, yeah, some of the kids, you know, either they're back home Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and, Mm -hmm. you know, boomers are younger today. Like, I mean, in a sense of like overall well-being. Right. Like 
You know, the 65-year-old person 40 years ago was a different 65-year-old person of today. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, people are living longer. They're having, you know, a little bit better health. So they're— Right, and like staying healthier yes. longer. So that Thank like you. that 72-year-old yes. is still perfectly fine going yep. up and down the steps. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And, you know, also there's a lot of— um, appliances available for people to be able to stay in their homes. I don't know if you guys seen that little elevator you can have installed in the corner of your room. Oh, it's like really? a mini one-person elevator. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've, I've not wild. seen this. It, it's very cool. So it's that's probably a very cost-effective way, you know, to be able to be, you know, uh, have enjoy right. all the levels of your home. Um, without having to get the for chair. Mainstream without, yeah, <laughs> and the chair lifts too. Yeah. That's another one. Uh, but there's options for people to stay in their homes. And, you know, if someone's been in their home for a long time, it's sometimes it's very emotionally hard to get them out of the home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, Sarah, you're right. There's I'm seeing more people like kind of, you know, digging in to stay yeah. in the homes unless yeah. they're moving south or, or totally relocating somewhere else down the shore. Yeah, I mean, my... My my mom, uh, she passed away in November, but she was 98 in her house until the very end, you know. Um, And now it was a fortunate situation where my aunt was able to, like, she would not have been able to do that, like, Mm -hmm. alone. But that did not even, like, there was not a bathroom on the first floor. Her bedroom was not on the first floor. Mm -hmm. Um, So people will come up with ways to, they don't want to leave necessarily. You know, like, they'll try to do what they can to make the homework for them or be in a situation where they can stay. And that's the hardy generation. Mm-hmm. Those people, they they could they could have done anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not as soft as the newer generation. Right, right. <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? I can get up these steps. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. But yeah. That's really well said. And I think what we're underestimating is people are living longer. They're healthier later in life. I mean, you, you mentioned they're, they're hardy, but I mean, they're, they're, you know, look at nutrition and just the way that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, people living to 100 is not as big of a deal anymore as it was when the guy on the Today Show would always post the 100-year-old birthdays, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You know who I'm talking, the weather guy. Um, yeah, Al Roker, he still yes. does it, but it's not like a daily it, or a weekly thing anymore. It wasn't always Al Roker, though. It was it someone else. Oh, okay. Um, I, I can't think of it. It doesn't matter, but that that's the point. And on top of all that, <clears throat> when you look, and it was Meredith Whitney made these comments, excuse me. And when, when you look at this here, so people are living longer, but they're also... People do things later in life now than they used to. And this is a trend throughout all generations. Look at when people have kids. Having kids like in your late 30s was unheard of, right? Mm-hmm. Or 40s. Now that's more common. People are moving up later in life. And, you know, the generation seem, uh, that, that, that is of that, you know, 50, 65 and older, they're less concerned with the previous protocol and more concerned with, with their, their, their well-being and happiness. And... They're doing it their way. I think that's been a very clear trend, and you can see that. Um, so not only is that happening, but also there, there's some really good data from uh, Lance Lambert, and uh, he, he actually broke this down. It was, it was Redfin's study. It's called The Demographic Landscape in Housing Has Transformed, and young families now own far less of the large housing stock in the U.S., meaning uh, and a large house is considered a three-plus bedroom single-family home. So uh, empty nest baby, baby boomers own 28% of the nation's large homes, while millennials with kids only own 14% of those homes. And then there's the, obviously the rest is everyone in between. And you look at the greater Philadelphia area in particular, we're coming in at 27.6% are owned by empty nest boomers, 13% owned by millennials and 59.4% are everybody else. And 
even though America is getting older as the baby boomer generation gets older, um, you know, that's also a huge generation. And a lot of these people are looking at, well, I have this great house here that I worked my entire life to get and enjoy. And the place I'm moving to isn't that exciting. And it, it, it's usually got to be a need there. So that's one. Two, the societal changes about Americans uh, that are younger doing things later in life, entering the workplace. It is, I mean, you see these pe- people aren't starting jobs until like late 20s. I mean, I, I, I had a job when I was 14. So I, apparently I, I lost the memo on that one. Getting married, having children, and the demographic shift is further influenced by strained housing affordability right now because a lot of these people can't afford things because imagine you enter the workforce later, right? And I, I don't, I mean, I imagine we all started working right when we got when we, in our early 20s, right? I, I, I know you too well enough to know that. So, but you don't start building your career till 26, 27, 28. A lot of times that's when you cut your teeth and you don't really start earning any money until later in your 20s. And now, that four, five, six-year delay is causing savings to dwindle. You don't have the same money to put down. So I don't see this silver tsunami happening because there's no place for these people to go. Where are they going to move to? You mentioned down the shore. Like, that's great. But there's not a lot of 55 and over communities. There's not a lot of places where people want to downsize because typically when they downsize, like you're going to a townhome and you got a two-story single, what's the difference? Less space? Mm-hmm. Like, great. Okay. A lot of people want a ranch home. Or yes. one story and ranch homes sell very quickly in our marketplace here. So I, I just don't see this silver tsunami happening because of all the things we're talking about here. And, I, and I'm, I'm not seeing it in the market either. I don't know if I'm missing something here or what you two are seeing, but I don't see these people that are baby boomers like all excited to go sell their homes. Right. I mean, I think even a lot of the 55 plus communities, if they're if it's somebody who wants like something newer or like new construction, those come at a premium and people don't want, even if you got, you know, depending on what you were moving out from, um, you know, you're not trying to take on a huge amount of debt at that phase of your life, depending on like the age you are when you go to get into one of those, you know, like, right. Um, you're just, people don't want to do that. Right. If I don't even know if they like what, for getting qualified for it. I mean, I'm sure there's right. I mean, because there as well. Right. You're not going to take out a 30 year loan when you're 80. Right. <laughs> you know, it's right. Just like, not I, mean, I don't know, but I don't think you'd get qualified for that. I don't right. think. Well, you'd have to be yeah. having some sort of income coming in, which is, right. you know, the other right. challenge. So, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right there. So, right. Um, I, I tend to agree with all this. So, and you know, I, I live in a neighborhood where, and I'll give you some anecdotal evidence. I mean, I, we have a, our, our street has three other homes on it. All these people are old enough to be my parents. They're my parents' age. They're in their in their 70s. There is no sign any one of them is moving anytime soon. We were out shoveling everyone's driveways just to be good neighbors over the, you know, on Friday night. And you, you see more and more of that now. And, and I think you're right, Sarah. It's like the family compound. People don't want to give it up. Or there's, this this theory is great, but when you look at the, the the practicality of it, especially in the Northeast, like I could see places in the Midwest where there's more new construction or in the South, but mm-hmm. think about in Delaware County, right? Let's just take Delaware County as an example. Where are the 55 and over communities in Delaware County? I can think of one off the top of my head. Think of one. The, the, in, in Springfield, which is right by the golf course, and they're all named after like famous golfers. Mm-hmm. Besides that, there's a place in Glen Mills, right? Oh, that's right. Is that the new... There, where's the new? That's is the that the new one. construction one? No. No. Then there's the new new construction in Brookhaven. Brookhaven. Yeah. Yep. The list is dwindling here quickly, and and I mean, you know, I'm sure there's probably some others I'm missing, but that's about it. And a ranch home 
it sells in, in seconds. I mean, because there's so much competition for it. It's not just the end user who's maybe looking to move up. It's also the people that want to move down. So I, I, mm-hmm. this is part of the challenge here with the silver tsunami theory. I mean, it's great in theory that they're going to downsize, but I, I'm just not seeing it happen. Right. I have to agree with that. So let's take it one step further. Let's, let's talk about, um, you know, we, we've got this, uh, we, we have this Redfin data. We have what, they, what housing experts have right and wrong here, according to Inman. And, and Inman was, did a pretty good, uh, I thought they did a nice job here. The things we can count on when it comes to the silver tsunami. So, um, and here's, here's, here's what's right and here's what's wrong. So what's right is an increase in demand for 55 plus homes. Yes, for sure. An increase in demand for off-site storage solutions. A lot of people, they have so much stuff they don't know what to do with. Increase in boomers renting instead of being homeowners. And increasing rents and reducing rental inventory for millennials and Gen Z. What do you think about that? Wow. Hmm. That's interesting. But I, I can definitely see that as an option if you don't want to be uh, committed to mm-hmm. another house. And that way, if I guess if you're someone or a couple who wants to be able to travel and not be locked down to something, right. yeah, maybe renting is an option Yeah, because you you could be flexible. If you didn't like where you were renting, mm-hmm. you could always move. Right. If you didn't really have, um, you know, if you were not th- that secure in your decision where you want to eventually be, right. you, then you have the option of, of you know, leaving. Right. Or, yeah, maybe it starts off as like, I'm just going to do this until I figure yep. out what I want. And then maybe they like the place that they're renting and mm-hmm. like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, not being responsible for some of the different things that come with home ownership. Right. You know, when you're a Especially homeowner you for like 40 years and you know all the maintenance issues, <laughs> things that can happen. And um, then you're like, wait, going I just, into a I rental. Just, I just call somebody and, right. they, and they come out and like <laughs> right. fix my stuff. Yeah, just like, tell what me is this? Yeah. Yeah. No shoveling snow, you know, no grass cutting, no cleaning gutters. Mm-hmm. There is some freedom to that. Right. You know, it, yeah. Homeownership. A lot of those things do get more difficult as you get older. Yeah. So yeah. and costly. If you can't you have, do it yourself, you have to hire you have somebody. To constantly hire somebody to come out. Yeah. And you always have maintenance issues. As, as long, you know, the longer you're in a home, you're going to need a new roof sometime, a new heater, a new. So there's costly things, windows, stuff like that. But yeah. yeah so I, I, yeah, I think renting is a great option for for it, boomers. It's going to have to be a little bit of a higher end rental, though. I mean, I think there, there's going to be. I'm thinking more of like the complex that's professionally managed, not the mom and pop mm-hmm. uh, sort of like single family yes. home or, or properties like that. Um, and you are seeing some of those places get built. I mean, I know they're building some in Lower Marion just on the way over here. So I think that that's super, um, super relevant in, in, in that way. So I, I, I do agree with you there. Um, let's go over a couple other of these. So um, increase in seniors competing for smaller starter homes by paying cash. I totally agree with that. Yes. Um, increase in demand for age in place home conversations to stay in the current home. We talked about that. That's definitely happening with folks. Um, increase in demand for skilled auctioneers who will obtain top dollar for any prized items those folks are willing to part with. Totally agree with that. I think that's a, that's one of the biggest challenges. How do they move out of the house? Mm-hmm. What do we do with everything? Right. And kind of having more of a, a one-stop shop there where they, uh, you know, don't have to, it, it takes more off their plate. They're able to have this one person that handles the different parts a lot of, of, things. of some, yeah. Totally agree there. So, I mean, it seems like this is pretty spot on. Um, increase in demand in residential assisted living options. Totally agree with that too. Yeah. I think that's a big, especially because what ends up happening is these people don't downsize when 
here, here's my observation. It's not, hey, we're downsizing because the house is getting too big. Something happens. Mm-hmm. It's usually like a health issue, maybe a death of a spouse. The kids move away, like really far away. Um, I'm talking like out of state. It seems like the, it, it falls back to those reasons why people move in the first place. And it just, they, they make a decision there. So any, anything else you think there's going to be an increase in here? Because then I got all the things that people thought were wrong. And I, I think this is probably the, the most interesting one. Yeah, I mean, I think the assisted living one makes a lot of sense, too, because oftentimes it's been a conversation maybe amongst the family for years of like, hey, like it's time to maybe get you into something without stairs or without like some of these different hazards. And no, no, no. And then exactly like you said, something happens and then you have to go the assisted living route versus Mm -hmm. um, some of the other options. And there's not a whole lot of uh, choices in that area either. And it's quite expensive. Yes, it is very expensive. I think it's a great option for people who have the means for it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think their lives could be, uh, could you know, their social activities, things. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that people actually benefit from being sure. in those situations if they can. Um, but it, that, again, is not going to be for everybody because it's not so cost effective. Right. They're expensive. And they do like, it's not like there's a ton of vacancies in them. Right. Like, a lot, there's like a, a lot of them, there's list. wait lists. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've had family members move to them. It's very expensive. So... Here's some of the assumptions that people got wrong about this. And, and this is really important. One is that baby boomers are going to retire. I can tell you, mm. I mean, you guys all know my dad, right? <laughs> He's, he has no, there is no retirement in, in, in sight for him whatsoever. Now, my mom did retire. Now, she was a teacher. And I feel like that's a little bit different because mm-hmm. they give you a retirement package and there's other things happening. But for the boomers that are business owners or they've built their own law practice. I, I don't see those people slowing down in a lot of cases. And that's, you know, I think there's something to that, that people will, you know, kind of keep going and it's going to keep them in, in, in where they currently are. This article and, and the, by Meredith Whitney's assumption, they're all going to retire. I'm seeing people retire a lot later right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, you know, I'm not saying that's for everybody, but that's, that's a trend that we've seen for sure. And a lot of reasons are because a lot of people lost a lot of money when the market crashed in 2008 with their retirement savings or, you know, so there's a lot of things happening there. Um, according to a survey from the Harris poll, 79% of workers between 57 and 75 want to go part-time instead, Mm -hmm. which I find very interesting. So that's assumption number one, that's wrong. The second is the entire group's going to make a move. And I think you're going to see some people like start to modify their homes a little bit. Have you, have you seen any of that where, hey, we're putting a first four bedroom on yes. or we're, we're doing some other stuff here because it's almost cheaper to do that than it is to move because of the cost of what a, a new house might be. Yeah, I think that's definitely the option. Modify yep. the house. Yep. To stay in longer. And there's so many options for in-home care. Right. I mean, that's huge now. Great point. There's, you know, all kinds of home health aids to every single level, you know, physical therapy, just a caregiver. Um, so it, it makes it a lot easier for people to stay in the home. Mm-hmm. So where, where I think we need to be mindful here is that, and then we could go on and on all the things that were, were wrong. Um, apparently 49% of retirees have moved up into a larger home, according to the Merrill Lynch Age Wave Report. 65% of older Americans are planning to stay at home because they're comfortable there um, and they don't want to be pigeonholed. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of things happening here. And, and what I'd say is, and, and, and then we'll wrap this up because I think this is a topic a lot of people aren't talking about. So now we know all this. Let's say this, this glut of inventory is not coming to the market. And we have seen inventory grow in the suburbs, you know, 17, 18% year over year in terms of supply. 
Philadelphia's been a little more flat. We saw about a five, uh, a half a percent increase. So you're a buyer right now. You see a home you like. Should you be holding out or should you be compromising? This is this is like the age old question. That, and especially this time of year, I'm going to wait for the spring, Stacy or Sarah. Don't the best homes come on the market in the spring? I'm going to I'm going to take my time. What advice are you giving to people that want to buy a home right now, especially ones that are targeting like that 20 year property they're going to live in? Because that's where a lot of these that's what that's what everyone hopes is going to come to the market here. Right. I mean, my my advice, I guess, for starters would be if like there's a home that comes to the market now that you would have like taken in the spring, like you're going to be better off taking it now because there are people that are going to mm-hmm. flood in there later. So like there's there is no timing the market. Um, but uh, if something matches the criteria, um, waiting does not do you any favors. I don't even understand that right. whole and, thing. Like, I'm right. going to wait till this and that. Why? Like, right. if, if the home comes on the market and it meets at least 75% of your check, I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. 75% yeah. of all your all your needs yep. and your wants, you yeah. know, um, I, I think you're, that is definitely a home run. Mm-hmm. And you have to throw in on, because you don't know when the next one's going to come up. Right. Especially, especially if you're targeting a certain area. Exactly. Or like a certain school district. Yep. Or like if your kids are already in school and you don't want them to move. Like yes. those, that doesn't give you as much flexibility for, mm-hmm. you know, going into other areas or, or looking at other options. Like if the right thing comes up in the right place and exactly hits 75%, um, that's that's something that is, that is worth uh, taking a shot at or at least getting the rundown on and figuring out what it would take to potentially get it. Right. Because if you, if you, if you do throw in and take a shot at it, there's no guarantee right. that you're going to get it because we know we're seeing the multiple offers again and mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things. So it might take a couple tries and you just don't know when that next opportunity is going to come around. Right. Well said. And I, I think that's what people need to start realizing because if rates stay the same and prices go up, you're still paying more. If rates go down a little bit, which is what the projections are, but prices go up three to five percent. You're losing. You're maybe losing out on some equity. You're also living in a house where you don't want to live, and there might be more competition later too. As if rates do come down, so th- th- don't bank on this glut of inventory. You've really got to look at like, hey, we don't know when the next house is going to come on the market. We can't control that, and that's the best advice for buyers right now. So, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this, we debunked a lot with the silver tsunami. There's no data that really supports it, especially in the Northeast. Be very mindful of that. So next, what we're going to cover is. Zillow and Fannie Mae revising some predictions about home price forecasts and rates. We'll be right back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you 
can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tomtoolwithane.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Time. And we've got Nick Wolf behind the camera. And we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And if you get some value out of this show, we're going to cover Zillow and Fannie Mae revising their forecast for 2024. Very interesting because it's a, it's a lead indicator. We're also going to talk about some appeal action in the commission lawsuit, the ongoing story here that we've been covering for months now. If you get some value out of this, you'll like what you hear. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Click the bell for notifications. And if you want to schedule a call with our amazing team to talk about your needs, just schedule a call with the link in the comments. So I love how these forecasts are so wrong all the time. In Zillow and Fannie Mae's defense, they're doing the right thing and updating it and saying, hey, we need to adjust, unlike the Federal Reserve. They never adjust anything until it gets wrong at the very end. I got a smile out of Sarah here, at least. So I think Stacy's writing a contract as we speak or something. So let's start with Zillow. And, and this, this to me is a big deal because Zillow Zillow's always very bull, uh, bullish on what's going to happen with pricing. At one point, they said 2021 or 2022, we were going to see a 17% increase in prices. It was closer to 10. That's a big number. So Zillow just upgraded their price for homes forecast predicting U.S. home prices will rise. And this is nationally from December to December of 23 to 24, three and a half percent. And if that prediction comes to fruition, that would mean national home prices would see identical home price growth as what we saw last year at 3.2 percent. With the exception of Louisiana and San Francisco, which I found very interesting, um, they're going to, uh, they, they expect prices to rise across the board. Some places as much as 7%. That's a pretty big revision because back in November, Zillow shifted its forecast downward, publishing a 12 month number predicting U S home prices would fall a 10th of a percent from October to October. So this is a big swing here. I mean, we're talking about, you know, three and a half percent, three, 3.6% to be specific. So 
What's the reason why? Zillow's got some stuff here. What do you two think? Because you're in the market. You're working with people every day. I know I'm feeling things loosen up. I'm seeing some more listings come to the market, especially in the Northeast, which is always kind of that anomaly compared to the rest of the country. What do you attribute this revision in home prices with Zillow's forecast? What What do you two see? Well, I guess before that, the first thing I was going to say is this is why they put out these um, different reports and they have these different predictions. And like you shouldn't take them at their word and just assume that that's exactly what it means. They revise these all the time and sometimes by very large amounts. So like, yes, good to like look into and to hear it. But like that's not that's not the crystal ball that has, in fact, predicted the future. Yeah. And. I mean, these are national numbers too. Mm -hmm. So if you're taking the whole over the entire country, um, we always say real estate is local. Mm -hmm. And it really, really is Mm -hmm. truly. So, I mean, overall, the national number, maybe it does, you know, lean more towards them um, coming in a little bit lower, the the pricing. But I know in our area, that is not the case. Right. Well, and if you look at their map and... and Here's what I love about Lance Lambert's site. This is, he and uh, I've had the pleasure to, uh, you know, interview, uh, talk to him on our Knowledge Brokers podcast a couple of times. It's all real estate all the time. You're not like wading through CNBC or Fortune magazine trying to find the real estate articles. So he's got a heat map here, and the heat map actually shows county by county, which I mean, I don't know how much how you get much more local than that. Um, and I'll have to share this 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 with uh, with Nick here. Maybe you can put it up on the post stop. It's. You see here, right in the greater Philadelphia area, you see like Chester, Delaware, Montgomery County, Bucks County, the city of Philadelphia. They're all in this. They're not like the really blue. They're like the medium blue, which tells me we're going to be about three and a half percent, which we made the same prediction on the show here, you know, three to five percent appreciation year over year. And that's pretty much historically the number. And what I like about this is that they are revising it because of what they're seeing. We've seen purchase applications for mortgages. That means you have to have a home under contract to do that. They're up now from where they were a few months ago. We're seeing new inventory outpace the first couple weeks of last year already when it comes to new homes getting listed nationally. So there's all these people on the sidelines that have been saying, hey, you know, if the right home comes on the market, I'll be ready to buy. And when rates came down, that's when you started to see some of these people get off the fence. So, you know, when you, when you look at this here, um, it was more bearish in the fall. I think everyone was bearish in the fall. I mean, any expert out there was like, I don't know about next year. It's going to be tough. We were in a meeting with somebody. They said, survive until 25. You remember that, Stacy? <laughs> that was exactly what they said. Um, so when you see this bearish model in the fall, and now things are loosening up a little bit, and the shift in the financial markets definitely have influenced the model. I don't think people thought rates would be as low as they are right now. Um, uh, it, you know, and, and the Fed kind of, all of a sudden, they just got like a reality check. It's like they got punched in the face by the economic data. And, oh, wait our measures are working. Maybe we need to roll back the rate hikes, which I, I think that had a big deal and a, and, a, and a big factor of what we're seeing here. And then if you look at the, you know, what Lance says here, you know, we also just experienced an unprecedented period marked by a pandemic, lockdowns, stimulus, ultra low rates, an inflationary shock, and then a historic interest rate shock. And forecasting during and after all that is pretty challenging. So I think you got to give these people a break a little bit because mm-hmm. think about all the stuff that, Literally, since we started the sh- show, Sarah, I think we didn't we have masks on the first time we walked in the place. Yep. I, oh, yeah. I mean, that's how long ago this was. So you look at everything that's happened. I, I feel like you have to give these people some latitude because it's been 
a lot of overreaction or, you know, a lot, a lot of highs and lows when it comes to predictions. I mean, think about your careers and everything that's going on the past three, four years. Right. Are you ready for something normal? Like, I mean, <laughs> explain, like. What is normal? Well, yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> what feel like is normal? Well, I think real estate is something that's kind of always, um, to some degree, changing a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. there's different, always going to be different factors coming in and um, different different ways to get things done and different ways to, to help your clients. So, um, yeah, there is, there is no normal and you don't want to get stuck only doing things one way and not being able to kind of come with or roll with the punches. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, you have to be flexible and just, you know, you have to be, uh, as things change and ebb and flow because there's so many things that we cannot control. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have to just pay attention to what we can control and, and you know, try to give our clients the best advice given the current situation in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the past couple of years when we've seen those low rates and then they, they drastically increased and, you know, now they're coming back down a little bit more and just mm-hmm. the lack of inventory um, continuously creates this, um, you know, this urgent situation on every listing that comes to market for, for the most part. So I think just being able to be flexible, if you're somebody that um, has a hard time working in those types of situations where, you know, you're not, change doesn't, you know, you don't really ebb and flow well with change, then right. that might not be a good idea because it is every day. It's a roller coaster ride in this, in this industry. But I think being able to be flexible and roll with the with the changes is definitely the way to go. Right. That's really great advice for real estate agents that are listening because even though every day is different in real estate, you also got to build in the routine to make your day similar. You know, and I think that it's, it's this hard balance a lot of people find. And the most successful agents are the ones that are consistent. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that hard in this business. Think about the day you've had. Think mm-hmm. about some of the days that I've had. I mean, I, I've shared this with you guys here. I know, Stacey, you've been through it too where it's, Wow, this is going awesome. Oh no, every, the world is ending. And all this, this, this happens all the time because you're dealing with people and you're dealing with emotions. And these folks that we work with don't transact that often. The average person moves every 11 to 12 years. These, these are stats. So, you know, I, I think just imagine what the world was like 12 years ago. What would that be? 2012, right? I mean, I didn't have any kids until the end of 2012. So, I mean, that, that's, that's literally how you have to look at this here. I mean, how different the world was then. I never, I could do whatever I wanted. And now I got, I mean, it's, you think of it, it's very different, right? So if you don't meet people where they're at, and I think that's what I love about this here. And even the uh, Zillow chief economist, Skylar Olson agreed that said any forecast right now comes with high margins of error. You've got to have routine and things you look at that you're always going to count on, that you're always going to have as staples in your schedule. And then the rest of the day is going to be a little bananas. And I think that's what the forecasting models look like right now. So we've, we've got another revised forecast as well. Um, and this comes from Fannie Mae. This dropped last week. Fannie Mae's got a real rosy outlook on mortgage rates. So obviously they're sponsored by the government. They're a government-sponsored enterprise. They're projecting rates will drop below 6% by the end of 2024. Previously, they were not there. They were predicting low sixes. And, you know, following this, this volatile year of rates where it was like every day where rates go and we're constantly charting, they're up a quarter of a point, they're down. And I've seen the stability already this year. I don't know if you two have, but it seems like we're, in, we're kind of bouncing around that six and a quarter to six and a half range mm-hmm. locally. And obviously this factors like debt to income, credit scores, a lot of other things here. 
you know, because the the Fed has said they're not going to be, you know, maybe rate great cuts and there's all these things happening. It, it's good to see other people revising their projections. I know some people don't feel that way. What do you think about this revision with Fannie Mae's mortgage rate forecast? <laughs> I mean, they have been the more the interest rates have been more stable, mm-hmm. which is really nice right. because, um, you know, when it was fluctuating so much, I mean, I still track it every day just to see. I'm so right. used to well, it now. You're a good yeah. agent tracking uh, <laughs> it every day. That, and it's your job to track, track it every it. day. And people ask, you know, oh, where, what, what are the rates? You right. know, so you have, you better have an answer. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think that because of the Fed and where they were and the, you know, the, their constant grind on the economy and trying to control this inflation unsuccessfully, um, you know, I think that since they're leveling off, the interest rates are leveling off, it's going to be so much more, it's going to be better and more calming for the market. People mm-hmm. aren't going to feel like it's, um, you know, just so stressful for them. I don't mm-hmm. know if, you know, your buyers, people are like, well, they were very stressed when it was going up towards 8%. Right. And people were pulling back. I mm-hmm. think now there's a lot more security Mm-hmm. And that's what people want, especially when they're going through these transactions that are so stressful anyway. Right. You know, they want to, they something has to be a little stable. Right. And the, you know, if they are going to like, you know, go up or down a little bit, like having it not be this like, you know, just wild mm-hmm. jumps in either direction. Um, yeah, just it's one thing that like can help them feel a little bit calmer in that aspect of what is going on, you know. Mm-hmm. But revising these their predictions, I mean, that's normal. Right. Right. Every they revise everything, right? Yep. Well, and and when you look at where 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 the data is going, again, I, I don't think a lot of people thought rates would have come down as fast as they did. And that was mm-hmm. that was that was really exciting to see in the month of December. And we saw this last January, by the way. Remember, we hit like five nine nine for for about two weeks, and then all of a sudden they went right back up. So the fact that it's been consistent is good for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's good for. Buyers and sellers, because most sellers need to go buy a home so they know what to expect. What's your cost going to be per month? Uh, you're also seeing that the Fed has now taken a more measured approach. Uh, some people are predicting six rate cuts. The Fed's saying three. Who knows what's going to happen there? And we're seeing that th- there's there's just a little more inventory available, which I think is, is another great factor here. And, and you look how strong the jobs market is. I mean, it's basically you can get a job wherever you want right now. I mean, it mm-hmm. and and then they're paying well, which has been pretty incredible. I, I don't think anyone predicted the jobs market would be as stable and strong as it is. And that's probably another reason for this, because a good jobs market to me is good for the economy. I know the Fed wanted to have that jobless right. recession. I'm glad they're off that. Mm-hmm. So seeing all these things here, what this tells me is that a lot of the stuff we've been talking about on the show here, a lot of the stuff that I see other economists uh, talking about Logan Motoshami, Lance Lambert, Danielle Hale. Um, these are all people that are, that are you know, uh, Lauren June, like the, the people that get pay, people folks pay attention to in the industry. It looks like they're right. And the fact that a government agency is backing it up means I, I think we're going to see a normal year this year. And that's the message that agents need to get out to their clients, um, that we're going to see things are going to be normal. Best homes are going to sell quickly. Some homes are going to sit. It's price dependent. Here's what costs are. And, and it's those things that, that, that are happening right now. I think, I think this is all good news for, for the market as we head into 2024 because I feel like a lot of people are just beat up right now. Yeah, I agree. And the uncertainty, you know, it's, it's draining on folks, you know, especially if they wanted to transact in the past couple of years and missed out. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough. Yeah. 
Now, the flip side is agents need to be careful with this because if you're telling people rates will be lower later in the year, I don't know if that's good advice either because we heard that for how long and then they, they, they really never came down until like December. So you've got to use this stuff and just share it in the right way. And that, that's, that's the best way to help folks when they're, when they're buying or selling right now. So let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the latest development in the Sitzer Burnett Commission lawsuit next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX main line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's Tom, tool with an E, dot com. Sell your home for more, and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. All right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacy Mitchell. We all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Main Line. And uh, we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. We're going to talk next about the commission lawsuit. So if you like what you hear, make sure to Click on the bell for notifications. Subscribe to the channel. We'll keep you updated. And if you want to schedule a call with our team, there's a link in the comments to do that. So the commission lawsuit, it's back in the news after excessive copycat lawsuits. I feel like there's one a week here that are coming up. And what I find very interesting is that last week, the three main defendants left. NAR, the National Association of Realtors, Keller Williams and Home Services, filed two motions with the court. The first was a motion for judgment as a matter of law, and the second was a motion for a new trial. Um, and these actions are, are by all three firms. They're main, meant to be public record. And uh, Steve Murray, who 
knows his stuff. He's uh, he owns real trends. He's not an attorney, but he's an industry expert witness in three other Sherman Act federal level cases. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's got some experience here and here's what he read in the motions. And I'll just kind of go through this with you guys here. One, there's no evidence of collusion. So according to the filings, the plaintiffs in the case presented no evidence at the trial as to any collusion or conspiracy among the defendants. There was no meeting notes, no emails, no joint or concerted actions by or between the defendants in the implementation of the cooperative compensation rule. The defendants say there was no evidence presented at the trial that excludes the possibility of independent action by any of the defendants. So that's number one. Number two, no evidence that the plaintiffs suffered harm. So according to the filings, there's no evidence that any of the plaintiffs suffered harm from the actions of the defendants. They entered into listing agreements with sellers agents and agreed to the terms of those agreements without being under any duress. Well said. Um, And, you know, second, previous courts have found that the rule of reason should apply to the MLS focus cases and not under the per se standard. The per se standard establishes that defendants did operate a system that itself was collusive or whose outcome was to restrain trade. The court ignored all those precedents. That was very interesting. Number three, the damage award. It's a lot of money. It was calculated by inputting the entire 3% awarded to buyer agents by the listing agents for the MLS regions in Missouri for seven years, and that's how they got to $1.8 billion. According to the filings, the jury and the court assigned no value to the services provided to the buyer agents. That's very interesting because buyer agents work very hard. I don't think there's any question there. I mean, mm-hmm. think about your last buyer sale and just what went on and what service you provided. Negotiations, industry expertise, na- navigating contingencies. There's a lot of things there. The argument was made that the court did not require the plaintiff's experts to run any actual calculations of damages, just chose a number based on a fictional commission rate that has not existed in the market for years. I agree with that. And the last one, Missouri law permits sellers and their agents to compensate buyer's agents. Missouri state law permits for sellers and their agents to compensate buyer agents. This evidence was not allowed to be presented to the jury. Um, You know, and then Steve went on to say at the federal level, the U.S. Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission have had the realtor organization and the industry in their sights for an exceedingly long time and not in a favorable way. But if the state law allows you to do that, you know, I mean, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So what do you think about these points of appeal here? I found this very interesting. I like the way that he broke down this article and made it very just like, you know, point of fact, Um, because sometimes I think reading through all of, like, the briefings and trying to pull out, like, some things can kind of get lost in some of the legal jargon. So it was nice just having, like, hey, this is why it doesn't, (laughs) this is why it doesn't quite make sense. Um, So, and each of them was, like, a pretty big point there. Like, no evidence of collusion. No evidence of harm being suffered. You know, like, that's big. Well, the no evidence of collusion, that was what the most whole, of it was all about. Right, the whole that ball was the of whole wax. Thing. Mm-hmm. Like it was all a fixed, you know, right. everybody colluded to to, you know, keep this right um this same fixed rate and right. Yeah. And and we already knew that there was the plaintiffs didn't suffer. They most of them were very happy with yeah. their transaction. Right. So where was the harm? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, this is I love all this information. Because it kind of, um, it really solidifies what we've been discussing and talking about for a number of months now. Yeah. So uh, it, it should be interesting to see where this goes. 
it looks like NAR, Keller Williams and Home Services got a lot more serious and hired better attorneys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, th- this is the stuff that should have been presented at the case. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how NAR had fumbled this horribly with the way they talked down to the jury. They, th- there was things that a layperson like me, and I, I have no legal experience. I know, I know a lot about real estate. I don't know anything about the law, um, except what to do and what not to do, and what are, you know people tell me to do. I just follow the rules. Mm-hmm. There's, th- this is the kind of attorney you need because there, there are things here. I mean, unless there was some secret meeting where everyone said hey, we're going to charge all these numbers, well, I, I've got a hard time with that because I know for a fact there's there's brokerages in our marketplace that go to a low number automatically before you even talk to them, right? We've, we, we, we've talked about this. Um, you know, the plaintiff's suffering harm. I'd argue the plaintiff's probably benefited from having someone list and sell their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the damage award, I mean, it's, it was, it, you know, it's saying your time is not valuable. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, what are these attorneys getting paid for? They get paid in billable hours. That's exactly how they calculate their bill. Maybe you need to come up with a bill, and that's something that might come out of this. Here's what I did, and here's what I'm going to get um, compensated for. And then lastly... The state law says it's okay to do that. So now is the state law unconstitutional? And and there, there, there's actually, there's a debate this week. If you guys remember, we talked about this. It's at 2 o'clock Eastern time on Housing Wire with Michael Ketchmark, the lead attorney, and Anthony Lamacchia, which I think they probably could have picked somebody better, but that's who they picked. Um, and, and they're going to debate this on Housing Wire. I would encourage all our agent friends listening to watch that. I'm certainly curious. I'm going to be tuning in. And it just it's something that I, I, I Steve did a great job with this article. I wish the attorneys for these companies would have looked at it the same way. And it sounds like they maybe got their act together. And this is why when we tell people, hey, nothing has changed. This is going to appeals. Me personally, this seems pretty compelling. It's very compelling. And I am biased. <laughs> I, I mean, let's just be clear. I'm sure you two are as well. Yep. Nick might even be biased over there. I don't know. <laughs> I think the NAR, I mean, they had some other, th- uh, their focus was really off the ball. <laughs> they, had, yeah, they have a lot, of a lot of directions. <laughs> <laughs> so they probably didn't take this as uh, seriously as they should have. Um, but now that everybody sees what's going on in the serious nature of it, and, and this is very, very compelling, and it is true, um, you know, there's in a lot of cases, there's states, uh, the way that states have their laws and the federal laws, they can kind of clash. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the marijuana laws. Yep. And when Colorado first, right. um, you know, made um, marijuana legal, it's still a federal crime. Right. Right. So, I mean, that clashes. Right. But, you know, state laws have a tendency to prevail for the most part. I mean, there's some things going on now that are in dispute, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, as this says, you know, the feds and the U S department of justice, justice, um, and the FTC have had these organizations on their radar. And I still think that that's happening. You know, there's, there's still some things going on that sure. are targeting, um, the real estate industry as a whole. But yeah, I, I, I like all this information. It just um, validates what we've been talking about. So um, let's see where it goes. Yeah. Steve's parting line here in the article. I totally agree with this. For those who want to fault defense counsel for not running an adequate case, you might want to reconsider that line of thinking. I actually do now based on this. I'm glad to see that they're, and, you know, I mean, look, at least they were able to appeal it. Like, it's not like this yes. is like a one shot deal here. Yeah. So I think that's very important. This is good news for real estate, if you ask me. So let's hope this 
goes the direction that it looks like it may go now because those are all legitimate points. Mm-hmm. So that's what we got this week. You want to follow Sarah? She's at Ty underscore Ty Time on Instagram. You can follow Stacy at the number two Mitchko. You can follow me at Tom Tool 3RD all on Instagram at Tom Tool 3rd. And we're live every week on YouTube. If you got some value out of this, subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell for notifications. Schedule a call with our team in the comments. And we'll be back next week on WWDB 860 AM. plan barbecues and weddings. You can plan to protect yourself from a natural disaster. Sign up for local alerts, prepare an emergency kit, and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Serving overseas was just the beginning. We might be home from war, but our mission continues in communities all across the country. It's why we're out there in times of peace and crisis, providing meals to the hungry and supplies to the sick. It's why we're giving strength to those who are too weak and bringing resources to those without them. Service doesn't stop when we're done serving. It's what makes us the VFW. Learn more at vfw.org. The fighting spirit of the Marine Corps is born of battles won. Battles won within. Over enemies of fear. Enemies of doubt. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's a promise made to you for more than two centuries. A promise of the Marines. ADHD. It's the child who can't pay attention or sit still in school, right? The answer may be yes. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, can be complicated and it can last a lifetime. Living with a condition can sometimes be a challenge. It may take years to accept a formal diagnosis, and it's not always easy to find the right treatment plan. Did you know that up to 75% of children and adolescents with ADHD have at least one additional mental health condition that also requires a comprehensive approach to treatment? ADHD guidelines were recently updated to reflect the need to screen for associated disorders. Be sure to talk with your child's doctor about proper screening and visit moretoadhd.com for additional information. That's moretoadhd.com. This message has been brought to you in partnership with Ada, ACO, and Chad. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. I joined the Navy to serve my country as a Navy SEAL. While parachuting with my platoon, my parachute didn't open. I broke my neck. It left me paralyzed. 
Paralyzed Veterans of America was by my side from that moment on. Since 1946, Paralyzed Veterans of America has kept a promise to our wounded veterans. We will never leave a fallen comrade behind. Thanks to PVA, Paralyzed Veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments. The benefits they've earned, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. I just don't think my family would be as happy as they are without the support that I received from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. To learn more, go to pva.org today.